Hey everyone, thanks for checking out my first sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. Hopefully you're downloading from iTunes or SoundCloud, but you can listen straight from watercooler.com or the Facebook page, which you can like at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or feedback, feel free to send an email to myfirstsketchpodcast at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at Josh High False. Today's guest is Jolie Darrow, who is currently a member of the sketch group's Barbara Bush and Jortney and Coley with Courtney and Jolie. She's also a member of the Fit Improv Team 1816 and Fit's new sketch house team, which is still known as Codename Athena. She brought with her a sketch called Pyramid Hunters, which is a parody of the House Hunters show. Andrew Coppola and Jolie Darrow play the couple Ramses and Nefertiti, respectively. Patrick Servo plays the realtor. I am the show's narrator. And Kurt Reedy takes over as the omniscient voice, giving you all the visual information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Ramses and Nefertiti. Two young ancient Egyptian homebuyers are perched in chairs facing the audience. Dynastic ruler Ramesses and his wife Nefertiti are braving G- Giza's pricey real estate market to find a retreat from hectic Delta living. With a lengthy wish list and limited budget, searching for the perfect pyramid for the afterlife is going to be an exciting adventure. Opening of theme from House Hunters Plays. Ramses holds up a paper sketched with three meaningless hieroglyphics. I'm Nefertiti. I'm his wife. I'm not ready to die. We're just looking to treat ourselves to the rest of eternity, cooped up in sarcophagi, not in spirit, as they always say. One day, we'll die, and we need a place to hold our very important bodies. But that inevitable death is a long way off. To start their search, their realtor is showing them a large pyramid in the sprawling necropolis of Giza. The realtor guides the couple around the pyramid's interior. This beauty comes with a special enclosure for a dozen of cats, which I know is important to your family and its everlasting future. Oh good, we have a few slaves with allergies. Isn't that great for you? Ah, they're really going to appreciate that as they rot alive in our tomb beside us. Funeral god Anubis will love that shiny apex. I think we should move on to the next place so you have a better uh, point of comparison. Pyramid of Djoser, day. Now the couple's seeing a less expensive pyramid. Uh, This was completed in 2648 BC. It's a bit of a fixer-upper, but the owners are willing to throw in, in uh, 5,000 extra Jews at the asking price. Oh gosh, that view of the Nile makes every coin in Hebrew tier worth it. Oh boy, I can just picture it now. My whole dead corpse lying here and yours lying there. My wife, the interior designer. I think you're really going to like the last one. Pyramid of Khufu, day. 
She's brought the royal pair to the northeast section of the Giza Plateau for this last showing. This is an excellent neighborhood with tons of uh, irrigation appeal. This one's perfect to display my brain jobs. You know, since their brains are completely useless, I think they make for nice decorations. I'll put mommy's in that corner there, dad's on top. And all the games I've never played there, and my half-empty memory box there, and my youth out the window. Nefertiti stares hopelessly, blankly at the floor. Now it's time for them to decide. Will they choose the luxury budget buster, the fixer-upper with the scenic overlook, or the good hood? Nefertiti is in a catatonic state. After talking it over, we've reached our decision. We're gonna go with... He excitedly looks to Nefertiti as if she's going to fill in the blank. She remains in her catatonic state. Looks to Nefertiti for approval. Nothing. So with this pyramid purchase, this royal family is really getting a tomb with a view. Theme from House Hunters Plays. <laughs> hey, Jolie. Hey. Uh, so... What was the start of this idea? Where did you get this from? So this set was for my first sketch class ever. It was 101 with uh, Jane Lang. And we had to do a parody sketch. And I was living at home at the time. Uh, I had just moved home from college and was like depressed, like sad girl. Mm -hmm. And my mom was watching tons of House Hunters. Or like that got me watching a ton of House Hunters, which is like I'm glad to hear that because that's my, what my parents do now. So in their retirement is now just House Hunters and NCIS. It is. I, I'll get texts from when, like, they're in Philadelphia. Like, they're tiny houses now. And I don't, I, I don't understand that one at all. Um, okay, so you're the first person I've talked to whose first sketch is through the FIT class system. Yeah. What was the motivation of doing it, of, of joining the class? And so I had taken, um, I tried taking improv classes again just at like local communities, and I'm like, cool, I'm always like theater, let me go do that. So I took an improv class, but my, when I graduated, I was a political science major, mm -hmm. and like the world taught me to live in a small music, which is weird, and I decided that would be like my first science project, so I did three shows that I did. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. I joined improv class with it, and I liked it, but um, I didn't see any improv shows. Like, I just didn't need to pitch the science in front of the people I lied and didn't have any real second sketch on. And so I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I really get this. So then I took a break from improv and decided when I went back, it was like tier one. I took improv tier one and sketch 101 at the same time. Okay. Like, well, now I'm just bored. <laughs> So, okay, um, who was your improv 101? Like, the class itself was a good experience. Who was your sketch, your, your improv? I was the last 
before she. Okay. <laughs> so that doesn't help me because I one of the reasons I ask whenever people do improv is I want to know who to go with, like who to take, because I haven't done any of the improv classes. Oh, that's not, oh. Well, I mean, she clearly didn't get you to go to classes, so. <laughs> and then who was your 201 improv? So are, do you, are you an improv writer, like, in that Second City vein of, like, do you improv to write? Do you remember something that came up in the improv? Okay. As I'm wearing a hat. Thanks, Julie. <laughs> to be mean and hurtful is that's why you've said it. <laughs> um and all right, so and full disclosure, you and I took two oh one and sketch together, which was the second time I did sketch two oh one with Paul Trigg. Now mine were two years different like there was like two or three years between doing them um how was that experience but then the token old lady in classes absolutely Were they, were they like, I don't want to say were they good, but like, okay, weird's good, weird's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Meteoric rise, like. Meteoric rise, like really quick. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> uh, the f how fun was two hundred one? So it was nice having people 
look at this experience a little bit and just feel like we all work kind of in it together. Like everyone who is in this 101 class is there because they like yeah, where 101 might be, you might get like, oh, I'm the office cut up, or my friends say I'm so funny. Right. The t- the 201s are typically the people that are like, there's a bit of a like dream of SNL or whatever else you want to do. There's there's a future to it. It was a fun class. Um, it was a huge class, which I'm not used to because none of my classes have ever been that big. Um, but it was a great class full of great people. Um, but I, I didn't realize that you had that much of a gap between your sketch 101 and your 201. Yeah, it was a very difficult. It must have been about a year and a half between the two. But and but even with that time, you, I mean, you were you had uh, Barbara Bush already. Mm-hmm. You're already on a house team, uh, improv. Im- yeah, improv house team. Okay. So like you you were had already done stuff. You were probably the most experienced performance wise of the people in the room from a sketch basis. They, they, so they didn't offer it for a while. Like right. I think, like, that might have been the first 201 they had offered in quite some time. No, At, maybe not. So when I, when Courtney and Catherine, if I'm remembering this right, um, get 201, I, like, was busy during that time. Like, yeah. I had more volunteer credits or something, but I just remember they took it about a year before me, and I remember them just, like, going so hard in like writing so many sketches and making just like insane and this was probably when we were working on uh, third fellow workshop and okay. I remember thinking like oh and I'm gonna take 201 in a week's time yeah 201 doesn't happen as regularly as like I mean it feels like it's every other term at, at best maybe every three terms every four I don't know um, but on one hand it's fine because it does create a a marketplace for it because if you don't offer all the time people want it and want to do it and then there's yeah and then there's too many people at a table and people on a couch on the other side and um so how quickly from taking the improv improv 101 to sketch 101 and 201 at the same time how quickly do you get into barbara bush how does that Right, because we did the same Iron Sketch. It was Iron Sketch Water in the first season, quote-unquote, where my mentor director was Rod Banowitz. You had the other, one of the other members of Camp Woods with... Uh, (laughs) I totally blanked, too. (laughs) Um, And we both lost to Kurt Reedy, who... Had Courtney Painter on the team and Jack. Okay, see, I don't remember who Elf was in on that. Like, I remember you guys for whatever reason. I knew I knew Courtney was on the team, and I knew you two were on the other team. No one else from that is like sticks out to me. Well, I don't, like, there was only, like, the fourth or third or fourth, I don't, like, it was pretty early in the concept, because I remember I went the month before, because I had signed up for it, and um, the month before, there was another group of, like, tons of people that I I 
know now, but the only one I really knew was Julia Hudson, who was also in Barbara Bush and her group, which uh, actually grew up to be a, a full-time group. I think the only group out of Iron Sketch to do that. I th- yeah. Um, and Swedish just killed it. I like, um, yeah. And then they eventually won the entire season and are way better at sketch than most of us. Um, I don't know where I was going. I totally went on a. Oh, so my, <laughs> we were talking about uh, Iron Sketch. So I oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was probably starving. And we had that going for two or three months. But the problem was we all got caught on uh, the off chance, like almost immediately after we started the improv. So everyone was right. working the improv overload. And in December, so Iron Sketch was in December. And then in December, we were all sitting, or November, we were all sitting around at the improv competition. And we would all talk about doing a team sketch class. I I I'm pretty sure I was at that first show, like or at least in that first run. Um Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Opening for a house team is always way cooler than. I mean, not to disparage any like two indie teams going together, but when you're opening for a house team, it's always like, all right, this is a real thing. Like, let's do this. Where maybe if it's just two randoms, you're like, oh, okay, like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean Barbara Bush is consistently good. I don't think I've ever left a Barbara Bush being like, oh, that was not a bummer and I have to lie to people how much I didn't like that like I've always enjoyed the shows I, I I but I can't remember anything for that first show as much as other things you've done before like I'm assuming the um uh the drug parody the after 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 was that in that first show do you remember like the the three spotlights where it's Julia I think Shauna and um, Sue. That was in our sketch okay, so I'm. Yeah. It's. 
<laughs> well, like the, that one sticks out to me for the most part because I work in a drugstore and Julia texts me, hey, do you sell pee cups? And I was just like, I don't know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, and I was just like, I don't. I have, We could do it this way with this, but it's going to be very expensive. If you just need a pee cup, I can't help you. Like, Because the ones that we sell are actually already like um, – have the chemicals in it to do the testing for specific things already. And you don't need to pay $40 just to put apple juice in a thing. Um, okay. I think she went somewhere else. I think she did get her a legit one. <laughs> Swedish is, yes. Uh, so do I. I if, if you can do something real with the real product or the real item, I love it. Um, there's a, there's, it's definitely a, a charm to the minimalistic and space work and stuff. But if you can real, use the real stuff, real costuming, that always, there's always that next step. I, I love it. I think for a little bit further, this was trying to go in more of a minimalist mm-hmm. theme. Uh, but coming up, probably in the fall, we're going to be going to Florida. Ooh. Yeah. Go see Jess. <laughs> um, okay, so we've been... I totally skipped over like my normal run of questions of uh, what was your comedy fandom growing up? Like, what were you watching? Um, so I feel like I wasn't a traditionalist in that sense. Like, I didn't grow up like, watching that much SNL. Like, I would watch it when my parents mm-hmm. put it on. I didn't watch a ton of just like uh, classic version of Monty Python fan. Like, I always feel so left out when people talk about that stuff. It was like it completely Sure, absolutely. Sitcoms, um, watched a lot of cartoons. Like, I was just crazy, grew up on cartoons. Like what? What? Classic ones for me were, like, Flintstones and Tom and Jerry. And so you were going that, like, that 20 years older than, like. I used to watch a ton of, like, the, car- the stuff they would put on Cartoon Network. Like sure, right. The older stuff. Right. Well, I if you watch like the Honeymooners and I Love Lucy's, there's so much. I mean, Honeymooners, how many times were they not on that one set? Like, were they ever in um, Ed Norton's place or like? If you if you're watching something that is, um cement it in one location well first off that helps with sketch because when you're doing live sketch it's very hard to convey a second location or a second setting within a live thing yeah Sure. If you think about the honeymooners, it's very similar to the way like the Simpsons is structured, and mm-hmm. um, just like the idea of very uh, like archetypal mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because you have the husband, you have the wife, you have the best friend. There's no other information that you need. Sure. So you say you don't, you didn't really watch much SNL. So, but I ask everyone, do you have a favorite cast member? Um, I would say that the one who is queer I saw the most was Susan Sarandon. Okay. Um, and it's, it, I think it's just like very uh, generational, just like being the sure. woman who became successful from voice for the rest of, I mean, kind of bipolar, but I think like this like black consciousness, like probably because she's a genius. <laughs> She's definitely like the shining star example of success after the show, mm-hmm. which we really like. You can definitely say Julie Louis Dreyfus as an actress has been probably the most successful actress out of Silent Live. Yeah, but you didn't get her stardom. But it still took yeah, it still took a few more years. But like Tina Fey, just writer, producer, actress, like she has done everything. Yeah. And Yeah, I I, def- I read that book on a vacation a couple years ago, and I think I read it too fast because I don't remember any of it anymore. I remember liking it. I remember thinking it, it funny, but it's all it's out my, there's, there's just the story of her being slashed, which is awful. That's the only thing that stuck out to me because it's such a a big part of her appearance, and it has it was such a mystery when she first showed up. Like, um, okay, so Tina Fey. So then with sick with sitcoms being your primary fandom, if I can say it that way, why sketch? Why sketch comedy? Okay, yeah. That's, I mean, all that's a sketch show. That still counts. Sure. Have to sit through all that. You just made a powerful enemy at Nickelodeon because I think he still runs everything down there. Ooh. That's interesting. Sure. 
it's so accessible, like I can just write little poems in um, that I imagine maybe I eventually, hopefully, write a book on. Right. That's, that's definitely something, the accessibility of it is because I always make the joke that because sketch is only five pages or whatever, it's so much easier to write, but at the same time, it's not because you have to pack so much or get it so right in those five pages. Um, especially, like, I've had experiences. Well, that first iron sketch, I brought a sketch that was about five pages long, and my mentor, Rob's like, this is okay, cut two pages. And I, no, I didn't cry, but I was just like, how? Like, and then he's like, all right, well, this, this entire half of the first page, don't need that. Like we can, one line will introduce that just as well. And I was just like, so he's like, I now have Rob Banowitz in my head always like shorter, shorter, shorter. I love brevity now. If, if there's a sketch that's a certain amount of time and it doesn't have that many characters in it, like two characters doing five pages sounds awful to me anymore um where like my new rule is if it's over a certain length it has to have x amount of characters or something else happening it can't just be two people talking for um whereas in sitcoms and writing for television like that you do have a little more space to breathe there is a certain joke per minute ratio that you they want but you do have characters that you know where we're where we're necessarily necessarily playing with archetypes, hoping that like oh there's a mother father child on the stage, I have to click to that right away. You have instead you have Joey and Chandler and you know that relationship going into it. Um, Mm-hmm. And got like disastrous judgment. I think I've gotten better. I think I, as I write more, I get to the point where like, oh, this is what my character in the show looked like. You played them wrong, and now I can cut out some of that stuff. But I love the sound of words, and I love to write about like the long paragraph sound. But like in a sketch form, that's not the type of, of writing. Well, well, yeah, you have that sketch that I, you guys did with uh, as part of. I'm going to screw it up because I always screw it up as uh, Coley and, and Jortney. What it, I don't, yeah, see, screwed it up. Where it's about uh, words that can be pronounced two, or like how regionally words are pronounced two different ways. Bagel, bagel, like. Um, and you read that in 201. Like, I was like, oh, this is a great idea. And then you performed it and it was a completely different sketch, I feel. Or at least not necessarily completely different, but it felt completely different. Right. It was it was gonna be funny be- to me it was funny because of the way that it sounded, not necessarily because of the the idea was there. Right. But when you get a certain rhythm to it, it's it elevates it even more and um 
Okay, so this is a question I don't think I've been able to ask anyone else because I don't think anyone. So you have Barbara Bush, uh, Jortney and Coley, because I'm always going to get wrong, and I'm so glad you guys dropped the last names from it because that made it even worse. Like, um, <laughs> right? That's oh my! Like I'm never saying that. Um, you're still on a improv house team, and you just got the sketch house team do you have a different approach to each of those projects like is are you writing something specifically for barbara bush do you write something specifically for jordney and coley like have you how how are you balancing that Yeah, so like I'm not even worried about like how you're approaching that yet cuz I'll wait until after that first show. Yeah, and I think even um the first show is going to be completely different than the rest of the show. Sure. I'm still just having fun cuz it is becoming very much the way Barbara Bush has done things and that everyone's kind of bringing their stuff and but we did start with pitches. We started like we pitched stuff and then whoever wanted anyone's pitch, we just put their pitch cuz I think Huh. Huh. I I don't know how I would adapt to that. Extreme. Is it really like Oh, sure. 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 Yeah, okay. There's definitely a value to that for sure. Um I just read the the States book, the the oral history that they just put out, and they talked about how in college when they all got together to start the state, they were a very communal, all for one, one for all, and by the t- at the end of the MTV run, it was not that anymore. So I'm always a little like, uh, not necessarily. It wasn't so much MTV, but like uh, when they tried to move to CBS, like there was a lot of hostilities where certain cast members were saying that they were writing more so they wanted that to be known they wanted like so um ben grant became the head writer um and i think actually three or four of them got taken off the writing staff which yeah like 
Yeah, like it was eleven of them, and then one of them leaves, you know, for CBS before CBS because he's just tired of it. Um, it's a really good book if you enjoy the state or know about them. Yeah, they're fun. Um, I did my class. I did a master. Oh wow, longer than I thought. Cool. Um, I did my master class. <laughs> I did a master class with Kevin Allison, and that was an experience. That was a really cool, and it was right before like Risk really took off where he wasn't Kevin Allison again. He was just, it was a really cool experience. I wish he would come back and do it, but obviously Risk has taken off way better than. Yeah, he did a show last month, I think he did. He did a Risk. Um, um, Right, because Barbara Bush, is it called drag when when women dress as men? Like, what is, like, there is some of that in Barbara Bush where, um, I, I don't want to say most famously, but the one that sticks out to my mind is the period in detention sketch where Shauna plays the, the teacher, yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had the I had the same thing when I was in judo range because we were all guys, unfortunately, which a bunch of us fought against, um, and we eventually did bring a female in, but we didn't use her to the best of her abilities or anything. Like, is one of the failures of judo range. Um, and there were a couple of sketches where like, yeah, and we'll put you in a dress. I was just like, why? There's no reason to do that. Like, we're five chubby white dudes with beards. And that's going to become the joke of you putting Like, it, and it didn't help anything that she, like, that so-and-so was playing a female in this sketch. Like, it, it wasn't yeah. a point to it. Um, and I totally agree with that. But at the same time, I've been trying, like, to write for not necessarily more female roles, but like roles where it doesn't matter, like unless I'm specifically parodying something. <laughs> okay thanks andrew <laughs> Yeah, there, like, and there's specifically with like Saturday Night Live, there are periods where women are are well used, and then there's periods where they're not there at all. Like, I would say the original cast, like, um, 
Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, and Gilda did a great job. They were there. And then early 80s, like Mary Gross and Julie Louis-Dreyfus were in things, but they clearly weren't full potential. Late 80s. Yeah, like late 80s was great with um, Jan, Jan Hooks, Nora Dunn. Like, and then the, that early 90s where... There's so much funny stuff, but there's never a, like, a woman is so inconsequential where, and you have talented people, like Sarah Silverman was on the show, granted she was 21 and didn't really find her voice yet, or Janine Garofalo, who has famously come out and said, hated the entire process, hated the experience, but then in the late 90s, you get Anna Gasteyer, Sherry O'Terry, and the women start rising back up, and then going forward with Faye, Polar, Kristen Wiig, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but, like, how he preferred the gross humor to, like, the honest, like, right. funny humor. And people, me and Natalie Roach, we, like, really ran our hand every second of that. Like, why can't that be a, a woman in that part? Or why, you know, can we make that girl not a two? And it was just, like, it felt inherently, like, that's how I was getting annoyed with it. Hmm. I don't know. It Huh. Well, I th- I think I had heard that there were a couple of people that didn't have that great of an experience. It might have been just talking about you, but like, <laughs> um, no, like, but no, like, and I certainly see that because he came from a group of five guys, right? Five? One, two, five, yeah. Like, where they were all wearing dresses, they were all wearing fake boobs. And them being the girl is definitely the joke of it most of the time. Like, um, I don't know if I'm going with this because I don't want to rag on Kevin McDonald at all. Oh. <laughs> that was a huge class. Like, I was that was a much bigger class than I expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with the patriarchy? Yeah. Um. 
And I can't believe Adam Sandler <laughs> undervalues females in his war. Like, um. <laughs> and fix it. <laughs> then why do you do comedy? Okay. Um, and it's like I just kind of knew my worth and like Chad Bowen was cool. Chad Bowen was <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, oh, Mark Brothers also big. Well, I mean, if you're going to go old with the Honeymooners and yeah. I Love Lucy, you might as well okay. go with the Mark Brothers as well. Right. If you're not creating your own stuff, you're not. Yeah, exactly. Like, just like I love being able to create and make new friends. Like, I'm just so excited. All right, fair enough. No, no, like, I mean, I I don't think I've ever asked it that way, but like the people that I've asked that kind of question have had a very noble approach to it. Not just like, I want to be famous and I want to get on SNL. Like, so it's refreshing that it, like the, the nobility of just making people laugh is enough. Obviously. Right. Absolutely. But the nobility of laughing at we'll, we'll stick with that all right <laughs> all right thanks julie Thank you. a little fact checking after the interview apologies to sam narizi for blanking on his name and the line from the barbara bush sketch i was referring to wasn't after 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 but whisper 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 because after 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 makes absolutely no sense Jolie's Fit House Team 1816 routinely performs on Saturday nights as part of the Saturday House Party Improv Block. This week they're on at 10.30. Check fitcomedy.com for tickets. Barbara Bush will be performing as part of Electile Dysfunction at the Playground at the Adrian on July 27th. 
and we will have more information about that show in the future. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook to keep up with who I'm going to be talking to next and future live shows. Come back next week when I talk to Patrick Servo of Patrick Wright's Sketches. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening.